For garden color from the ground up, start with the ground. Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch from the Home Depot. Now, three bags for just nine bucks. It protects your plants beautifully and maintains its color for up to 12 months in shades of red, brown, or black that really set off your garden, not to mention your spring. Bring on spring color with Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch. Three bags, nine bucks. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 60 per customer. Color selection varies by store. Good morning, everybody. It is a great, freaking day in San Diego. There's trees knocked over. It is madness. It's like the rapture happened overnight. But it's still beautiful, baby, and I'm still happy to be alive. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, man, what a... Okay, so straight up, this is going to be one of the most interesting shows that we have ever had. Straight up. Um, if you have ever been in a relationship in your life, if you're ever thinking of being in a relationship... If you've sworn off relationships or you just find relationships interesting, this is going to be the show for you. I don't even really want to spoil anything because I really want you guys just to experience this along with me. Good morning, Tia. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Tiffany. Good to see you guys. What's up, my man from Brazil? Good to see you. Guys, we have an amazing guest today. Um... In all seriousness, if you know people that are struggling with relationships, if you know people that, again, um, look, relationships are so complicated. Human interaction, which is friendships, are complicated. But when you factor in love, sex, lust, hidden desires, and all of that stuff, I'm telling you, relationships get really freaking complicated. And our next guest may be the leading expert that I've ever seen. I've never seen this approach on relationships and love and sex or anything like this. So I assure you, I'm not one that brags or asks for shares and likes very often, but this may be the time to share, like, and tag somebody because this show is going to be freaking fascinating. Good morning, Timothy. Good to see you. Good morning, Roxanne. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring the one and only Jamie Thompson to the show. Good morning. How Good are morning. You? I'm great. Heaven Ch- forbid there's rain in San Diego today. Oh my gosh. What are you going to do? <laughs> so I live 24 up. So I'm like watching every storm system like I'm the freaking weatherman right now. And as we speak, it looks like God's coming. It, it, it's really okay. It's awesome. It's so beautiful, though. I don't mind the rain at all. It's nice to have once a year. Yeah. But tomorrow, the sun better be out. Good morning, Nick Harris. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Timothy. Roxanne, good to see you. Everyone, please welcome our guest, uh, Jamie Thompson. Jamie, welcome to the show. Uh, First things first, what are you grateful for? Oh, what a good question. question. Today, Today, I'm grateful for the ability to choose perspective in life. I'm grateful that sometimes circumstances suck, but I still get to choose how I'm responding to them. 
Well said. And it is a choice, right? It is absolutely a choice. And that is something that sometimes I think we all struggle with understanding that when the, the crap's hitting the fan or we're struggling in our personal life or professional life in our relationships, it's hard to to stop, take a breath and go, I have a choice here. I can accept this and find the opportunity. I can accept this and find the lesson. It's really, really tough. So I admire anyone who says they are grateful for that. So thank you so much. So, Jamie, for the people that don't know you, and a lot of people are going to be on here. Good morning, Marty. A lot of people are going to be coming on here that do know you. But for those of the audience that doesn't, can you tell can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So I am a relationship coach. I specialize in working with people in erotic and intimate communication. So what that means is the conversations that are challenging to have, but that when had, open everything up and make a difference in the relationship such that there's new passion and aliveness and connection that's available because we're being transparent and we're taking responsibility for our desires and what we want and communicating them with the person that means the most to us in life. And then that ends up spreading to the rest of our life and we become more effective communicators and it brings so much more aliveness. I just find specifically if there's something that someone is hiding in a relationship, we have to put so much of our precious life force into managing that thing that we're hiding. And, sure. and when it can be exposed and, and talked about, it's highly erotic. And it's actually very exciting and can be really interesting as long as there's the context for sharing this kind of desire in a relationship. So for people who don't have that kind of context and they're like, I have no idea how I would share desires with my partner, I help create that and, and help them with that process and also help people to discover what it is they actually desire. I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't really know. I'm kind of just fine. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's a component of, uh, of checking out in, in relationship that can happen when we're like, well, it's, it is about as good as it's going to be. So I'm just going to be okay with that. You know, I, I help people not accept that and actually create their ultimate relationship. Well, that's what, in my opinion, I I've always been one to believe that men, <laughs> men cheat because they are seeking something they're not getting in a relationship and then they blame their partner. But the truth is they are never upfront and honest about what they truly desire. Like they, they hide it because they're afraid or they may look at, well, I love, I love my girl so much that I wouldn't want to do such a deviant thing with her. And, and so they internalize it. And then I think men sneak off and cheat because they find someone that's lesser than the one they love that they're, they're going to go do that deviant thing with or whatever. Or maybe, maybe it's just deviant in their head. They're thinking, Oh my God, there's no way my, there's no way my girl would be into that. So uh, I'm going to suppress it and then I'm going to go off and cheat. What, what is your, what is your, what is your feeling about that? Right. So, so people will, it, so there's this interesting thing that, that happens. Have you heard of uh, the Madonna whore complex? No, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> right. So there's, uh, 
So there's this idea that, that, um, and this also goes with, you know, the way that our society used to be structured where you had the one that you love and then you had your mistress on the side. You have your Madonna who is, you know, your, your love and the one you idolize, but then you have this person on the side and that's where you go have all your deviance with. And then the one that you're actually married to, you, you don't really have much fun at all. And it used to be that way because, you know, there was a, a lot of, uh, it, you know, it was that way for land and taxes and, and for logistical purposes. But now it's much more, you know, you needed to marry someone to keep the family bloodline going and whatnot. Now we don't have that. So we can actually collapse that old mythology. And it doesn't necessarily have to be two different people that you are getting your love from and that you are getting your desire from. One of my very favorite people in the industry is Esther Perel. And she talks a lot about love and desire and how they don't seem like they're mutually synonymous, but they can be. It just requires a different skill set to hold both. And sometimes some people do want to include a third or they do want to look at entering some kind of a an open context in an otherwise monogamous relationship so this is a little different than people who are just inherently polyamorous right there's a lot of people right now who are having the the issue that you just mentioned josh and they're they're wanting to look at like okay well i love my partner and we're in a monogamous relationship but how can we expand that a little bit and so what I love to do is go in there and just kind of tinker with relationship structure a little bit and see like, how can this, is there actually a structure here that would really work for both of these people? And then how can we move at a snail's pace into that? And it's not about like, Hey, do you want to have a threesome? Yeah, let's go do it tonight. And then you do it. And it's like, Oh my God, I didn't know I'd get jealous. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't like that. There were so many things that went wrong. Because people don't actually take the time to really go slowly through creating a foundational structure that can support whatever it is they want to do. Absolutely. I'm going to give a shout out real quick to Nick and Michael, uh, Brian, Matt Schaefer. Good to see you, my man. Uh, thanks for the intro. Tia, good to see you. John, great to see you. Day Pink Pink, good to see you. Roxanne, Diane, wonderful Thank seeing you guys. You. Welcome uh, to the show. I am, um, you know, being... It's hard enough sometimes, I think, to be honest with yourself, especially with when there's a lot of confusion and a lot of there's, you know, now I think it's becoming a little bit more common for people to start stepping up and having a voice and talking about maybe they were, you know, raped or molested as a child. And and like, whether people want to admit it or not, that dramatically changes your outlook on relationships and love and also your your ability to deal with shame. Um, I know that from my experience that, you know, I, I battled for a long time just being transparent. When I was molested, I was molested by men and women. And for a long time that those were extreme nightmares for me. Like I, it was a night terror after night terror. And when I discovered drugs and I'm, this is not the healthiest way to deal with it, but I found drugs as this way of like dealing with it to take that, that craziness that was in my head. And it normalized it. Now that's not a healthy way of dealing with it because I was using drugs to like numb the nightmare to then explore. And all that did was cause more confusion. I, I it is so, 
like that ability to be honest. And I, I looking at it now at 38 and that ability just to be honest with myself and like what's right and what's true. And then be honest with my partner about what is going on in my head. That communication can be some of the most erotic, most beautiful, wonderful love that you can share with somebody in bearing your soul. And you talk about intimacy and you talk about feeling love when you can express something from such a, a hurt, broken place with somebody you love. Wow. Does it ignite and change your relationship? It is ultimate bonding just to have that truth with somebody. Um, what is your experience in dealing with people that have been, cause I know I, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I know some people on here that have been molested um, and also have dealt with rape in their life. What kind of advice do you have for them for healing and, and really being able to embrace their truth? Hmm. First, thank you, Joshua, for going into that so vulnerably. And I just want to take a moment right now to just honor anyone who has experienced anything like that right now. And maybe we can all collectively just take one deep breath in honor of, of that. Yeah. <sighs> it's, a, it's a lot, right? Right. Like that space needs to be held. So, it, okay. Now what, what can, what can we do from here? So in, so what, what, what's very interesting, and this, this could be a really strange way to answer this. So we'll see how this lands, but there's sometimes inside of having a traumatic experience like that as, as a child, my experience has been that a, a way, a safe way and a healthy way to explore and heal that is actually through our own sexuality and is actually through creating a safe container with our partner such that we can explore something erotically. That might be being the, the, the dominant one and rising, you know, and, and, and experiencing what it's like to be on the other end of a rape. That might mean that we have some, and I'm saying this with a lot of sensitivity right now, but that we might have some piece of us that is actually curious about diving into that experience again in a safe way such that it can be healed with a right. partner. And, and I've actually seen dramatic healing take place in, in the lives of my clients when, you know, something like this has been shared. And then, and then the, the guilt of even being like, Oh my God, I actually still have a fantasy about this. Even though I'm terrified in my life when I walk down the street and there's a man across the street, I, when I'm, I, I still, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a dichotomy that exists in me. And that's something that I want to explore. Will you go there with me? You know, I mean, like what a powerful and uh, a powerful conversation to have. And then there's, you know, a lot of safe, safe words set up and, and creating a real context where where that kind of exploration can occur. And I will share one thing for myself. So this isn't just all about everybody else and clients because I, I go through stuff, too. Well, I haven't actually had a specific rape experience one little piece of my own erotic life that I'm always a little, uh, um, that, that I have some embarrassment around sometimes with, with a new partner is that I actually enjoy 
being objectified in a certain way. And that can be something where as a feminist, you know, as a woman who is, you know, is, is a feminist in many ways and is powerful in my life and, you know, has this whole thing that, that, that doesn't feel consistent with in my erotic life. It's like a way to explore this thing that in life, I would slap somebody for, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a way to go into this space where, where I can explore this whole other part of myself and play in those shadows a little bit such that I can bring that power and that energy back into my life and have it be something that I share with my partner. Absolutely. I love that. I, I know you mentioned something about, um, uh, the, the comfortability and, like for the I, what happened to me as a child, and even really as a young adult, um, it's affected my ability to even be friends with men because of of a trust factor and like and and, and feeling very very unsafe. It has been it's been the weirdest thing for the longest time. I've been this guy like it. You seem like well, I'd be I, I played college football. I was I mean I've been athlete. But yet I've always kept my male relationships at a distance because of the trauma that had happened to me. And the only time I have ever felt truly comfortable and relaxed around men are when I'm with a woman. And it's been this strange thing as I've gotten older and I've healed from the things that happened. Like I like it, it's getting better where I'm able to have like a friend. <laughs> You know, without it being, without having this like hidden fear. It's the strangest thing. I'm 38 years old and I'm just now able to really be friends with men because, and, and, or even put men in a, in my life and like respect. Like I've never had a male role model because I've never even allowed them to get close to me. Like I pushed them away. I like, I always feel like I was going to get hurt. And I'm, I'm glad that that's healing because I know that that is not a healthy way to go about life. But here I am, a guy that's bigger than most people, and I'm terrified to be around men. It's just, it, and that's honest. Um, and it has a lot to do with what happened. So it's, 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 it's funny how we all go through different parts of healing. And, you know, I, for the longest time, my way of healing and dealing with uh, what had happened to me came out in a very ugly fashion. It came out through heavy drug use and being very promiscuous and do it, putting myself in a lot of dangerous situations to try to force myself to get comfortable with what happened and deal with it. But it almost killed me in the process. So how, how, what is your experience working with, um, with men that are going into relationships with women that have dealt with sexual abuse? Men in relationships with women who have had sexual well, abuse? Men, men that have dealt with being molested. What is your experience with working with men that have been molested and, 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 and like that go into relationships with women still very scarred and emotionally fragile from that? What is your experience with working with men like that? You know, I have not heard. So from you, you're probably the second person that has, well, that's not true. There's, there's definitely been more in the, in the past. I used to, I used to also be a dating and attraction coach. That was kind of my initial starting out point. So in that, in that instance, I actually did have some more experiences with 
with, with men with that. But, you know, recently I haven't, that hasn't been so much the thing that's been on my radar, to be honest. Oop. Uh, so I don't know that I can speak to that. I, you know, I don't want to just make anything up. Um, but I, I, if, if it's like something like a question, like, do you, do you have a particular challenge that you're facing with that, that you want me to address or that you've heard of men facing that you'd like to address? I was asking really in general, because again, I know that there's men in here that are, are struggling with that. Like I know I, I, I'm looking at right. two of them that, okay. that I know for a fact that have happened, that have had a similar experience. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a very scary thing for men yeah. to speak. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's scary yeah. for women too, but I can't speak from a woman's perspective. But there's, you know, I guess because men are supposed to be macho and like, and it's yeah. looked at like, well, it's, you're just looked down upon. You know, like, and, and then also, and then from the experience of going, okay, is this, has this experience shaped me? And now moving in where I, somebody is confused with their sexuality and doesn't know what's real, like that confusion can, and for me, I, look, I'll just be straight up. It's probably, I've, I've, no one ever reads my blog, but I've written about this before, but I battled with my sexuality for years. Um, and probably 90% of people in here have no idea, but I, I used, because of the night terrors and then I discovered drugs, it was like, wait a second, maybe this isn't a nightmare anymore. And I started exploring because I was trying to make normalcy out of what happened to me. I was trying to make what happened to me right. And in the process, like I said, I almost killed myself because I was going about things in a very unhealthy way, but I didn't get help. I didn't seek to get healed. I didn't know how to because of the shame, because I thought it was something I did. I grew up, in a Southern Baptist church where if, if, if any, if you, if, if homosexuality is a sin and you're going to hell and if you experiment and like you do these things, you're going to hell. That's what basically you're told. So then you internalize that. But then when you internalize it and suppress those things, then all of a sudden it starts coming out in very dangerous ways where you start living a double life. You know, I, both of my um, marriages basically ended because of my double and triple life. That's the truth. Because I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And mind you, doing cocaine five days a week sure as hell didn't help make, make good decisions. But the fact is, like, I wrecked my life in the process and I destroyed everything because I didn't seek help. I didn't have a voice. I didn't know to have a voice. I didn't know to say, what, what is this? What is this? And a lot of my passion now and, and the message that I deliver to people is about, you know, is have a voice. Speak out. If you're hurting about something, talk. Don't internalize it. People love you. People want to help you. But what advice do you have? This is you're the expert here. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for yeah. people that have been hurt and broken and they're scared to talk about it? What advice do you have? Right. Talk about it. <laughs> you know, I think I think something really, really powerful started to get. Or, and is continuing to be unearthed with the Me Too movement. And I also think that when men can openly share in the way that, that women are doing in the Me Too movement as a Me Too, not as a, oh, yeah, I did that, it, not just as perpetrators, like shifting this 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 context of, of demonizing 
male sexuality and and there there are perpetrators out there and also men have also experienced being victimized and i think it's just really important for us to be aware of that and and hold the same kind of space for men that we hold for women and mm-hmm. and and some women will be really pissed off at me saying that and that's okay because i i i don't think it's about creating a divide i think it's about like hey crazy weird sexual stuff happens and and people on the side who are perpetrating are also in a ton of pain and then P- and and they're perpetuating the pain that they're in and and so it's like people on both sides of this need healing and especially if you're in a relationship or you have a close friend group or anything i mean I, it's it's so important to to really uh, I just want to read this comment. It's hard to process. You're not responsible for what did he say? It's you're hard to process things that you weren't responsible in creating. God, that's right. very right. Lauren's right, very- right, <laughs> right. And then, like, the question is, like, what, what, what do we do now? You know, mm-hmm. and and I think it's like, you know, to answer your question, Josh, it's like, if you're in a relationship with someone and they don't know that this happened or you haven't, you know, sought counseling. I mean, this is something where I always recommend if someone has a traumatic experience that hasn't been unearthed and dealt with, that they right. go directly to a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma completely. And, and that, you know, and actually begin working with that. And then what I do is, is help people to include that in their relationship in a safe and healthy way. Not so the relationship becomes about that, but so that it's, it's allowed to be there in the space. And many times if, you know, I mean, with it, people are having se- sexual issues, it, it's because of something like this. Or, you know, there's like some fantasy that, that, that a couple or, or one person in a couple has. And there's a safe way to actually explore that and, and begin some of this healing or continue some of this healing within the relationship. And I'm all about that. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, like when I first talked to somebody about being the, when I was molested at first by two men, I, I, when I finally got to where I could talk to somebody, I was told that it was normal for little boys to experience that. And that didn't make sense. That completely like screwed up my, 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 the way I thought about sex, the way I thought about it, and it detached me from the ability to incorporate love and sex together for a long time. I was actually telling Karen about this the other day that I dated a girl uh, after my first divorce that was a little bit older, but I had so much respect for her. Like I looked up to her, admired her, and I couldn't perform. I could not have sex with her because I respected her. I could not detach. It was all about detachment and it was just a thing. It was a, an aggressive, um, uh, it was more of this animalistic thing that, that, that I, that's what allowed me to do it. But when love crept in or emotional, like this, emo, like uh, uh, any feeling where there could be love and connecting that with lovemaking, it was like, no, this is not going to happen. It's like my brain and body did not know how to do both. It had to be, 
something more violent or something more animalistic for anything to ever happen. And it's just been like now through healing that I'm able to bring love and incorporate love and have that be a part of the relationship. And that that's hard. That's really hard. I mean, I think about every relationship that I've ever had, it's been based off of more of an animalistic nature and than anything. And it's, and it's very detached. It's very emotionless and it's very shallow. And it's really not the way, in my opinion, it's supposed to be at all. And, and now being able to genuinely love and care for other people and, 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 and care and love my, my partner, Karen, I like, that's more of a beautiful thing, Like that seems more right, you know? Um, and it's so broken. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm rambling. It's just, you know, talking to you brings up so much for me and thinking about what it was like as a child and how, even at seven years old, the way that I was viewing sex and the way I was seeing it and, and the way at, at 13 years old that I was able to seduce a 22 year old woman to have sex with me on a golf course. I mean, just crazy stuff. Like that was my mind. Yeah. So young. And that is not like, that's not right. And then there's so many kids now that I'm seeing because of the stupid phone and everything on the internet. Like, we are so over-sexualized already and sex is a beautiful thing and you're supposed to be able to explore and there's supposed to be something, you know, magical about it. But when we are blinded by just lust and having all of this stuff thrown in our face, how do we, how do we find love there? Like how are we connecting that? Hmm. I just I love this. No. Yeah. I love this. And I, and I have something for this because it's, this is where the neuroscience comes in. So what you're speaking of is an oxytocin deficiency and an addiction to adrenaline where, yeah. where, and an addiction to the dopamine high, the mm -hmm. dopamine high that gets released when this like animal lust takes out. And then the adrenaline of like, Ooh, something's bad. And, and this isn't, this isn't what, uh, you, you know, you're, you're getting off on that. Right. So that's, so that's the, that's the adrenaline and, and, and the dopamine. And, and that's like become, we become addicted to that. But oxytocin is, is what they call the cuddle hormone. Yeah. So oxytocin is the love hormone that gets released when you even just drop in. And this is something everyone, all, all of your listeners here and, and yourself and, and myself included, I do this. We, we can drop in with the person that we are about to have sex, make love, hook up, whatever you want to call it, and have 30 seconds of eye contact and deep breathing first activates the oxytocin cycle. And that might seem, you know, kind of off, off to, off the left field to, to some people, but this is actually an exercise that you can do if, if you're trying to wean yourself off of an addiction to adrenaline and dopamine through sex. And, and the way that you can do this is, is by really just getting present with yourself and the other person. So what happens when you drop into this type of eye contact or eye gazing and, 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 and just be with someone for 30 seconds? It, it happens in 30 seconds. It actually happens in 20 seconds. I say do it for five minutes if you can, but start, <laughs> start small, right? Start with 30 seconds and your, your nervous systems start to, line up and the mirror neurons start firing 
and you connect in, in your energetic fields. This is where we, we get into some of quantum field study as well, where you actually connect in the field that exists between you and in your own bodies and your nervous systems and oxytocin starts flowing instead of adrenaline. And then oxytocin acts as like a nice blanket to wrap around the adrenaline and the dopamine and the serotonin rush that might occur. Right. But it's got a container and it's safe. And it gives me, I mean, I have like tingles all over my body just, it, just from my mirror neuron memory of being in this kind of oxytocin space with someone before. It's so powerful. And this kind of space is healing for all, you know, for sexual trauma and all of the, all of the stuff that we've, that we've dealt with, you know, when we can drop into this sort of cuddle hormone space with someone, it begins that healing process. The oxytocin release also happens when a mother's breastfeeding their child, right? Doesn't that have a lot to do with that connection? So men yes. out there, start breastfeeding your wife. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Why do you what? think men are so obsessed with breasts? I mean, let's be uh, real, right? They're <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, I, I actually, I, I'm a little familiar. I took an oxytocin supplement for a while. I got from um, a doctor, a naturopath. And um, I got to tell you, pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it, it there is something, there is a lot to what you're saying that I absolutely believe because I've had my own trials with oxytocin. And it is, it is, it's, it's different. It's the love drug for a reason. And it's not, it's not a, um, it's not like doing ecstasy or cocaine. It's something, it is very, very natural. Um, I, I really, really believe, uh, the importance in that oxytocin release. It, it, it's powerful. It actually reminds me, I need to call that doctor and get that stuff again because it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, so tell me what, what kind of, what, what led you to get into this line of work? Cause I mean, this is, Although fascinating and interesting, psychology and, and neuroscience, I mean, that is a very disciplined, hardcore, very detailed, confusing, um, never-ending study. Like, you've dedicated your life to this. Like, what, what made you get into this? So one, one piece that I, I want to weave in from what we were just talking about that I feel like uh, can connect this part is that I found that when I was, I would be in frequently in relationship. I also began my sexual journey very young as well. I mean, I was 14 and like, yeah, let's, you know, super promiscuous all the way into, into my, my early twenties when I really started working with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that also happens in, in our relationship, if there is too much oxytocin, and we, we end up feeling all cuddle. And sometimes there's actually time, a time where we do want to activate a little adrenaline, where we do want to bring in, a, you know, some novelty or some mystery back into the relationship. Are you talking so, about and role playing? <laughs> it could, could be for some people. For okay. some people, it's just, you know, uh, turning the lights on, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it depends on where, 
what your what your idea of risque is, what your idea of novelty is. You know, for some people, it's it's flirting with with someone else together. I mean, there's so many different ways or or things that you might want to explore. But when you if if it's getting kind of like yeah, it's very cuddle and best friend like, then sometimes that is what needs to be activated. And so I tend and everyone has a different sort of nervous system balance. And I tend to be a little on the side of, of wanting some excitement. And mm-hmm. I've been that way my whole life. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there. So I've always been curious about about relationships in that way. Like, how can we have a loving space, but also have excitement? And I felt like I got into this partly because I have, I just felt like my sexuality was really complicated and I wanted to figure it out. And I was like, you know, I, I have, um, I've, I've been in relationships with both men and women. You know, I've, I've done the, the spectrum of different ways that you can have relationships and relationship structures. And I've just found them very fascinating. Now, meanwhile, while that was going on, I also, ended up studying with someone. His name is Dr. Carl Wolf, very fascinating human being. And what he created essentially was a personal development incubator. And I was in this incubator for about eight years. Now I started out taking, you know, taking courses and then ended up actually facilitating with him a little bit because I was, I was so into it. And, uh, what, what it is, is it's a, a, the, he, what he did is created a space where we could embody some of these concepts like, um, you know, mirror neurons and empathy and, uh, science, the science of the neuroscience of communication and study the quantum field in real time with each other working with each other in a group environment. So it was a ton of experience in playing with uh, how we're actually showing up and playing with the field and giving, giving one another feedback and dropping into the body with somatic movement and, and studying a whole bunch of really lofty, lofty ideas in a physical embodied sense. So my, my work always comes back to the physical embodied sense, you know, being here on this planet in our body with the mind as a tool, not with the mind running the whole show. So that was where, you know, I started that training in, in my early twenties and was like, this is what I want to dedicate my life to. I mean, this is something that I can really get behind. And so meanwhile, I was practicing these these techniques and exercises that we were doing in the personal development incubator in my, in, with my clients in, in real time in life. So it's kind of been a tandem process of doing some really wild, uh, scientific quantum work with, uh, with coaching, with coaching people in their sex, their, their, their sex lives and their intimate lives. So it's been kind of, Kind of an, an interesting journey in that way. Yeah, that that does not quantum like incorporating quantum to sex life just does that just sounds really like I'm gonna fly in a spaceship somewhere. Hold on a second. Uh, Barbara says my husband also very active, more like a fix rather than intimacy. He was one who had to have it every day, and if he went a few days, he would become stressed out and angry. 
I've dealt with porn sites, magazines, strip clubs, and it's almost like it was his addiction. What do you what do you have to say about that? Just out of curiosity. Like, yeah, you- there I mean there there's so here here's the thing, and, and she said was, so I'm not so sure this is still going on, but yeah. uh you know, Barbara, and and you might have gone through some of this process already. First of all, I acknowledge you for being there through that process. And because she said was, so she didn't leave. And that in itself is like, what a gift for him, you know, for for you to hold space for that. And when when something is like, when someone's in this addictive cycle, if they're if they're getting extra shame added to the cycle, and if they're feeling like they're wrong, it makes it worse. So right. in these kind of situations, it can be so challenging to find, again, that empathy, you know, that, that, that mirror neuron space where we're actually dropping into an empathetic space with what has someone doing this in the first place. And this is where it can be really helpful to have someone facilitate this kind of, this, this kind of work. But like, what is it that they want? I mean, Josh said earlier that he, you know, it was like love. He was searching in these animal realms for this love that when he got it was like, Oh, interesting. That's actually a piece of what I want. So when we can hold that, that empathetic space for someone, a lot of times those, uh, tendencies can, can, can shift. And, and the exploration can become healthier and it's all about transparency. It's really important for the person who is having an addictive cycle, perhaps, or even just a really heavy exploration in some of those realms to be transparent about it and it to be a conversation that can be had in, in a way that's safe and, and healthy and empathetic. Cause if it gets into yelling and like, you're, you're doing this to me and you're doing that, it doesn't, it, nothing, nothing can actually heal. It actually creates a greater divide and there's, there's, and, and not love, which is what will bridge the gap. Yeah. And there's, and I, I got to, all the years that I wasted of trying to keep secrets and hide and feeling shame with what was true to me. Uh, my, my friend and mentor, Lauren Harris is, you know, always talks about the truth and, you know, and how important the truth is. And I forgot his saying, I've just it slipped my mind, but it, it, the point of what I'm trying to make is that just living your truth and being able to share that with somebody, if you love the person you're with and you really care about them and you want a life with them, you owe it to them as soon as possible to be transparent. Because in made in and in, in, in seeking out someone like Jamie to help you bridge that gap, if you're scared, like if there's just something that you're like you're afraid to share with your partner, it's good to seek people out like Jamie because they can help maybe find the right words and how to introduce it. And right. because if you keep that in secret, if you hide those things from your partner, eventually it's going to come out in a very very ugly, ugly way. And, and it happened. It's not just me that it's happened to it. It happens to everybody. I know several people that are dealing with crap in their relationships that they're afraid to talk to their partner. And you know what? If you're, I can just speak from a man's perspective on this. 
if you're giving a woman what she needs, women by nature are going to be a lot more understanding and open to the craziness in your head if you're if you're giving them what they need. Women are just made that way, and I'm and I think I, you can disagree, but I'm I I I know I'm right because women. That's what's amazing about women. But men are pussy sometimes and just afraid to be honest. And I'm guilty of that. Too. I know. I know. But the minute that you can step up and be honest, it, it can tra- it'll transform your relationship for the better. Absolutely. I always say, Josh, that if you, if you want freedom, then provide stability. Yeah. And, and that is, you know, it's like if, if you want freedom to explore, uh, you, you know, some different realms, take a good look at what is the foundation of your relationship for women or men, whichever, whichever one. And it is more commonly men, but e- either way, if you're wanting some kind of new freedom, like look at how, how is the intimacy? How is the foundation of the relationship? What kind of stability? How solid is it? Are you, are you meeting their needs? Are you showing up the way that, that do you even know how you're showing up? Is this something you've even considered? Have you asked them? You know, a great question you can ask your partner is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how, how is, how is our relationship going for you? You know, how, 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 how am I showing up? Is there, is there any needs that you're not feeling like are met? Is there, is there any way that I can be here for you more? Is there any desires you have that you feel like are unfulfilled that you're interested in exploring? How about bring up that conversation? Yes, you can quote that. Bring up that conversation. (laughs) Bring up that conversation instead of like, oh, I want to, you know, go, I want to go hook up with someone else. Like, Start there. Start with your relationship and get that really on point and really solid and then look at what what might be possible with your overflowing aliveness, passion and love that you've established. And you may realize, too, and the other thing about being transparent from this is really on both sides of the relationship. The other thing about being honest and transparent about maybe your desires or things that you're thinking about in your head you may realize that after exploring that, that it's not the right thing for your relationship. And it helps you make that decision because sometimes there's, there's that, that what's right for your relationship. And then there's the desires of the flesh, the, you know, like the, the lust that can take over and, and lust can consume your mind and, and, and shape things. And so like what may seem like a great idea at the time, it may seem like the perfect thing for your relationship. It may not be, but the point is you should always be honest about it and communicate it with your partner because that in itself, that leap of faith, that bold step is, is, is basically opening yourself in a way to your partner that you'll never experience love quite like it when you do that. When you live in your truth with your partner, the love you receive back is really unlike anything that you could ever really experience on this earth. I, I, I really believe that. And again, a lot of times what's in our head is not actually what's best for us, but it's worth having that conversation because it gets it out in the open. Because if you keep it secret, 
it just gets worse and worse and worse and it just comes out ugly. And that's, that's just speaking from my perspective and what I've experienced, but I know there's other people out there that know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, so absolutely. absolutely. So what, what's next for you? What do you have going on? Tell us about a project that you're doing. Well, I'm actually well, I'm actually working, working on, on, oh, I hear oh, myself. I hear myself. Uh, oh. uh, you there? I'm hearing an echo. Yeah. Okay, know. that's better. Oh, it's gone. Okay. Uh, so I'm working on a, a project right now that I'm calling erotic activation. And it's essentially how uh, it's like a um, the love languages, but for our erotic life. And so it's, it's learning what our home base erotic language is and then also learning what's missing in our life. And right. so, and there, and there's four different languages. It's a really amazing, uh, setup. There's a whole chart. I'm, I'm creating a whole online program around it for couples. So a couple can, can go in there, can, can do the program and essentially learn to communicate with one, learn to communicate one another's erotic language. And this came from, from my study of seeing people say things like what you said, um, Josh, where you felt like you were kind of stuck in a certain like taboo erotic language. And, And there's, there's a way of, of actually moving into other spaces and moving into a more, uh, spiritual or energetic erotic language or moving into a, a more, there's, you know, a primal language. There's also a very sensual language and, and learning to speak these, these different languages and right. embody these different languages with, with your partner. And what's happened when, as I've done this work with people is they've actually been getting what they want because they now know how to talk about it more. So essentially this creates a framework for actually having the discussion of, Oh, that's what I want. And then, and then the partner is so funny. I'm just thinking of a session yesterday. Um, cause I've been doing this with my one-on-one clients and, and their partner was like, that's what you've been wanting. You've been wanting more sensual touch this whole time. I thought what you wanted, you know, was, was for, for me to dominate you. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they just had this whole, this whole new, world open up from being like able to be like, yes, I'm there. That's the spot that I'm in right now. And what I want is this. I feel like our relationship is really heavy on this side. So it's, it's really amazing. I I'm, I'm fleshing it out and, and working with a lot of the, the concepts and creating the, the content with it right now. But it's really exciting for me because I feel like it revolution is revolutionizes sexuality. Absolutely. I think if you can get comfortable talking about sex with your partner, you sure as heck can get comfortable talking about your finances. And those seem to be the two biggest issues in relationships. And I, I've seen some of the most amazing couples, like picture perfect families and wonderful kids, wonderful, like, like everything the relationship should be. They were obviously in love. But at some point, they got disconnected with being able to communicate what they wanted sexually from their partner, from their spouse. And and, and then the marriage falls apart and it implodes and, and it's wrecked families. And then and you think about all the divorce that we've seen from our friends and family and all of that stuff. And it it honestly, some of it could be solved so simply by just communicating 
And it's worth reaching out to people like Jamie to, to seek her counsel and go through her courses and work with her because is it really worth the divorce? Is it really worth throwing away and breaking up a family because you're too big of a wuss to be honest? And as I say that, I'm saying this as somebody that is divorced twice and lost his kids because I was not willing to be honest. I was not willing to truly express what the hell happened to me and what that did to my brain and how it changed my thinking. And I wasn't honest. I was a wuss. I was a freaking child. I acted like a child and I lost so much. And like, mind you, I have no regrets and, and I'm, I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live today. But looking back at all the devastation I caused, it all went back to one thing. And it was just being honest and communicating. That's it. It's not that hard. And so for you out there that are struggling in your relationships and you're struggling trying to find the right partner for you, look, it's, it's okay to be honest. It's okay to share what's on your heart with the person you care about because what's the, why be with somebody if you can't share what matters to you? Yes. Sorry. No, it's, it's great. It's so, I mean, it is, it's, it's the cornerstone. I feel like it's been the theme of this, of this talk here today. Uh, and, and it, it's, it's great that it ended up that way because it is, it's, it's where a lot of my attention is on and awareness that is on right now in, in, in our culture is like, especially with social media and whatnot, there's this pictures that get painted where we, we think that you know, being in a relationship is always going to be, you know, perfect. And, 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 and then we're afraid to be like, Oh, I have something that is imperfect that I want to bring here and I want it to be okay. And to, to, to share that and to be truly transparent, not social media appropriate, you know, (laughs) like actually get into what the real, what the real stuff is in there. And it's so freeing. I mean, I, I, I know in my own life as well, Josh, it's like just being able to, to feel like I love myself because I'm, it's like how, how honest would someone who loves themselves unconditionally be, you know, and, and, and how it's like, it's like because with unconditional love, there's room for anything. Right. And, and whatever your religion or personal development or scientific view is, it's like, Unconditional love is a vibration that, yeah. that heals, that, that creates space. And that ultimately is, is a foundation that we can do anything that we want from. Yeah. You're so right. Oh my gosh. You're so right. Jamie, um, it, this is, uh, wow. We actually went 25 minutes over. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could keep this going, but um, I, I, I have to be aware of your time. But listen, I I am so grateful that you came on the show. Um, I, I, I really would love to have you on again. And next time, I, I can just tell by the, I, I, the people here, I, there's just so many questions and, and comments. And I, I think this is really resonating with people. So I, I really am grateful for you and appreciate you. Um, are there any last words that you have for the audience, Jamie? Uh, hmm. 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 Yes. Uh, listen, I, it's, it's so valuable to listen 
not only to other people deeper, but to ourselves and mm-hmm. really tuning into what w- really tuning into myself and really opening to listening and then opening to listening to the people in our lives, opening to listening to our partner. There's so much stimulation, noise, talking, ego, all of that in our culture today. And there's so much value in just quieting down all of that enough to really listen to someone. That is wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again for all your time. And I will see you very soon. Absolutely. See you soon. Thanks, Jamie. Wow. That was great. That was awesome. Um, Hey, if you guys have any questions or you feel like anyone needs to hear that message or you need, you know, somebody that needs Jamie's help, tag them, share the video, send it through messenger, whatever you have to do, because look, this is a serious subject. And you know, I, this is some, something that should not be taken lightly uh, at all. And because a lot of relationships are dramatically affected from it. I know that I've personally affected relationships because of not being honest and that that crap has to change, right? And and I know that some of you guys deal with that too. And and in and creating a safe place for your partner to communicate with you and be honest is so crucial and so important. But also reaching out to professionals like Jamie is also extremely important. Um, so I highly recommend her. I'm going to plug her website um, that you guys can go to. I recommend her highly. Um, as you guys can tell, she was incredible, very, very smart, very educated. And there's a lot more there that we didn't get to, but we'll save that for another show. Thank you guys so much for um, your participation today, for joining your shares, your likes, your comments. Uh, go support Jamie. Go like her page. Um but seriously, if you're struggling with something in your relationship on the intimacy level, honesty, being transparent, any of that stuff, reach out to her. Reach out to her. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. For garden color from the ground up, start with the ground. Vigoro colored bark mulch from the Home Depot. Now three bags for just nine bucks. It protects your plants beautifully and maintains its color for up to 12 months in shades of red, brown, or black that really set off your garden, not to mention your spring. Bring on spring color with Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch. Three bags, nine bucks. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 60 per customer. Color selection varies by store.